Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, and I'm back here as we are every single week when you hit that midweek point. Corey DLG, producer Nico, we're all three back again to talk a little Houston Texans football. How are we doing, boys? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, Nico. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I do have a... a... I tell you who's. I have a small complaint though. Yeah. Oh, Um, I listened to the Monday show, and I failed to hear either one of you say Corey was right. It's because I don't like admitting that ever. As you, I don't know. I I don't know what happened. It probably got edited out. There's probably some confusion early on. I just I didn't hear it, and I I noticed uh, you guys went like a whole show, and nobody was like just like Corey said the game would go. It was this close fault, low scoring, 17 14 ish affair. No one said it. I just thought that was weird. I just, I just wanted to point that out. I just thought it was weird. I, I apologize for getting swept up in the, the blown 17 point lead and the tie <laughs> and, and all of that nonsense. I really should have focused on the, the fundamental, important right. things that this show is Me about. Me being right all the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say we all, we all did a great job with yeah. Thunder. We all rode that one, and that was that is successful. true. The under, like, man, for a little while there, the under was like never even in danger. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. never even in thought. It was only thought that it, would it was be only in until trouble. they tied it where, where you start doing the math. You're like, oh, a walk off is a push. Whoa, we're, we're really close <laughs> here, guys. <laughs> oh, that was a mess of a game. It was a mess of a game, but you know what? Sometimes you just get tired, which is a nice lead into what I wanted to start the show off with uh, talking with you boys today is our news of the day. The news of the day is a piece from, I, I mean, this is in a couple spots. I saw it on NFL.com where there's reports of Lovey Smith citing the Texans defense. The reason they played for the tie versus the Colts was that the defense was gassed. And he went on to say in the in the piece, some of the quotes went on to say that uh, the players uh, it was not they were not playing our best defense. We were drained. We were gassed a little bit. Not the best. Not the best. I, I don't know. Did you guys see this? What was your first reaction? This is not. It doesn't make for a great headline when you dive into some of the stuff. I can see where he was coming from, but just ripping that out from the headline and a couple of these quotes, not great. Yeah, so initially uh, listening to Houston Sports Radio during the week, I heard I heard a couple of people, a couple of different people riff on the comments. Um, and yeah, essentially their take was, yeah, it's not a good look to hear the coach say that we were tired and it was better to just take the tie than to run the risk of the defense being on the field again. 
here's the thing. Um, okay, so you spared them one 20-second drive at the end. Like, were they so tired that they couldn't jog out there for one more drive? Like, I don't know that I... I guess I don't understand exactly what it was that he means by that. Because they're either so tired that, that we're going to wheelchair 40 people into the locker room, or they can play one more series. Like, I don't... It was a silly thing to say, honestly. Um, the other part of it was apparent, especially the first week of the season. Like this is when you're supposed well, to be your best. When you're supposed to, isn't it? Like this is pr- this is the healthiest this exactly. roster is going to yeah, be. Healthiest, yes. Best, probably not, because of the lack of preseason and conditioning and stuff. It's probably somewhere right around week three when you're going to be your most like conditioned and used to and in a rhythm and still m- mostly healthy for most teams. Uh, nowadays. But the frustrating part also was that apparently, uh, and I didn't have, I don't have this verified, but apparently like most of the 90 snaps that the defense played, is that, it can't be right, right? Like it's got to be lower than 90. But most of the snaps that the defense played, it was the 11, like almost no substitutions. It's like the core 11 played the bulk of all the snaps apparently. Uh, that doesn't bode well for the season. Like, that's not a good sign for us at all. Um, so for... Does not speak very well of the depth on the on this defensive unit. Right, that's and so I think that's going to be a big problem. If that's what we're doing is, is <laughs> you know, just expecting these 11 guys to make it 17 weeks, they're not, they're not, that's not going to happen. Um... Well, that's what I was saying. Like you, you look at, you see the quote in the headline and then you see some of the, the quotes in the piece and it kind of looks bad. But then when I really sat down and looked at some of the stuff, like you talk about how they really didn't have too much defensive rotation. It was pretty much those 11 guys going, uh, getting after it the entire game. Or like you break down like the time of possession, the disparity wasn't huge, 39 to 30 in favor of the Colts. Uh, but if you look at the fourth quarter, the Colts had the ball for nine minutes, 49 seconds of the fourth quarter. So then heading in that overtime, like you can see how maybe it feels like you're kind of going up and down the field. Cause you got to remember too, is that they scored on three consecutive drives in that fourth quarter. So not only do they have the ball a, a lot, but those are long drives where you're going up and down the field and then you're going into an overtime. You can see where that, some of that might be, get into play. And also in reference to playing for a tie a little bit, I know that he was referencing that play where instead of going for it on fourth down, uh, they, they punt the ball. I got to be honest with you after watching Rex Burkhead and Damian Pierce run into the line over and over again to the tune of 2.8 yards per carry. I don't know if I'm the coach in his shoes. I don't know how much confidence I have that you can get to the line to gain in that situation either. I get that that's the 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 play with the most cachet is going for it, but there's smart football moves and there's smart analytical football moves, but then there's also moves that coaches make just based on what they're seeing in the game. And you can go in with a game plan, but guess what? When you see stuff during a game, sometimes that can shake your confidence and shape the way you make a decision going into it. I mean, I honestly believe in that Seahawks game the other night that they did, they trotted out their field goal kicker because or because they saw their running backs fumble in short yardage situations on the goal line a couple of times, and I think that shakes you up. I think that when you see your running backs 
and your offensive line performs so poorly, you probably look at that and say, you know what, maybe we should play for the tie and just get out of dodge here after this crazy fourth quarter. So I, I, I'm going to defend Lovey Smith here and say I think those quotes look a lot worse than maybe they actually are when you start looking at some of the numbers. Um, but, but my problem with that is you're basically saying like that we had no chance to win. We were winning the whole game. Uh, and if you want your defense off the field, then you call smarter plays in that. You know, there was that moment. Uh, to me, I think this is a play that changes the whole game. We were out there. It's There's about eight minutes left, and I said out loud to myself, okay, if we get three first downs, we win the football game. We run it on first down. We get two yards with Rex Burkhead. Uh, we run it on second. We, we then decide to pass it on second down. Which is stupid because we should be throw. We should be running. We should even if it's a two yard run and it's third and six after that. That's fine. That's when you throw. But you don't throw it on second down there. It makes no sense, especially considering the completion percentage wasn't great, and you weren't like we weren't lighting it up that way either. And we weren't running like a, a great short passing game. We were either going these middle to long passes or nothing at all. So I didn't understand throwing on second down there. Uh, and that's when the strip fumble happens, and that's when they get the ball back, short field, and then it's in the middle of their three scoring drives right there. Um, but in that spot, even if we just get one first down, we take five minutes off the clock, and we buy our defense, like in real time, uh, you know, eight minutes, nine minutes of, of, of you know opportunity to water up and catch their breath. But instead, they had to go right back out there after just getting off the field, and I think it just kind of perpetuated the problem. But I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't ever want to hear coach say that the players retired. Like, okay, uh, what's Keanu Reeves say? Um, Chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. Like, get out there. Like, I, it's not, I'm, we're not in it to hear you to say, oh, well, the guys were gassed. There was forty seconds left in the game. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, you want the you you would like to think they'd be able to like dig deep for the game. I don't know. Again, it's not great. You can kind of see when you dig into some of the No, I, I agree the numbers and like I agree the said, numbers there's, are poor. There's, and they do lend themselves to be like, let's just get out of here. But also their kicker had been so awful. I mean, two out of bound kickoffs and then the missed field goal to win it. I don't I mean, go for it on fourth down. If you turn it over, it's not like they're gonna kick it. You know, I mean they're not gonna line up for another field goal. Either either way, I would agree that the you definitely don't want to see that in the headline. Your head coach saying, "Yeah, it's not what you want to hear, especially not with forty That's seconds left." That's not what left. you want. Problem with the problem with the defense is that the offense wasn't good enough, <laughs> and and sadly that is how it balances out. Like we they put up a stat about the yards real quick, and then Colt will jump back to you. The third quarter, the Colt the the uh, the man, I keep doing that to him. The Colts had about 40 yards of offense, but we had 101. That was our dominant quarter where we really took control of the game. But then flipped to the fourth quarter, they put up a stat with like three or four minutes left, and we had minus five yards, and they had 110 or something like that. And that's, yeah, I mean, that that's brutal. When your offense has negative five yards out of two different possessions, yeah, the defense is going to tire out. I mean, I don't know what they're supposed to do at that point. It was weird that 
do you remember the I can't remember what year it was, but like when the the Lions had all those little like Theo Riddick and they had a bunch of like like basically if you made like poor man's versions <laughs> of Darren Sproles, the little running backs, they had like three different little like scat yeah, back yeah. running backs, you know? That were really good pass catchers, but they weren't like in between the tackles. They weren't three down backs. And they instead of running the ball, they had like a package of short little running back centric plays out of the slot or out of the backfield. So they're basically, instead of running the ball, they would make a short pass that they knew they could complete. A lot of times they would, the ball would get completed behind the line of scrimmage, but instead of running it, they wanted to make sure that they could get a for sure completion and so it was. It was a way that they were substituting. Yeah, they 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 were, they were looking to get those guys on the outside because they're all playmakers, was, and they didn't want to have to risk between the tackles them getting to the outside. So yeah, they were just dumping those short little passes. I would have liked to have seen some when they were struggling in that fourth quarter. Like I think there's ways to get like like little little short option routes to. I mean the. They had all of the tight ends that tight ends in there at one point or another, but I mean Brevin Jordan had two targets, uh, Farrell Brown had one target, OJ Howard who did have a good game, but his only two targets were the two touchdown catches. I mean, it feels like there's ways to just manufacture some gimme completions to try and keep stuff going, and then find some traction when you're. And, and that would have been something in the fourth quarter where maybe you're extending some of those drives and then your defense isn't gassed or you are finding stuff that you can carry over into the uh, the overtime period. So when you are in that short yardage situation and you're looking at your running game saying, I don't think we could run for this, but you go, oh, well, you know what? We actually can go back. We ran this little, this little route with our tight end or we had a, we had our receiver – Right up against the line, uh, right up against the the offensive line, uh, in that eighth stance, and that, now we know that that little route that'll be open against that linebacker. I don't know stuff like that. Maybe if you try more of that stuff, uh, especially with the tight ends finding little little hook routes or something over the middle, uh, maybe going to that kind of stuff can supplant if you're having such a terrible day on the ground, uh and you're looking for those easy completions, but they didn't really, I mean, they targeted a lot of guys, but there wasn't guys you could really go to outside of, of course. Brandon well, Coach the reality is targets. Um, Davis Mills was wildly inaccurate to the sidelines. He was just, it was bad. Um, and I don't know, listen, in the, but that's what I'm saying though. If you're running, yeah, no, he couldn't complete them though. Right that was the thing. The, he wasn't completing them. He was hitting people on the ankles you know? or throwing it over their heads. Uh, anything that went to the numbers from between the numbers and the side and the sidelines, wildly inaccurate. And I don't know what I don't know. You call it nerves, I guess. I don't know. But do you work on in practice throwing the ball to wide open people? Is that one of the things you can fix in practice? I I hope so because. There were lots of plays, you know, where the defense is six, seven yards off because they want to lay the guy out when he catches it. But it doesn't matter because Davis Mills throws it three feet over his head. Um, you know, Nico Collins is lunging as high up in the air as he can, and the ball is going over his hands. Not a good sign. 
Not a good sign. Um, the outside pass game just wasn't there. It wasn't there. Even on the screens and bubble screens and stuff, when we were trying to get people involved, they, they, they weren't good passes. And I don't know if that's nerves. I don't know if he was just overthinking it. I don't know if he was just in his head all game. But he looks like a guy who doesn't want to be the starting quarterback next year. That's what it looks like week one. Ouch. Strong words. Uh, you know what, Corey? I got. I want to talk about running backs as well, but let's uh, let's hear a little right. something from you first. Uh, let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene. Custom geek parties. Everything from corporate team-building exercises, geek-themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle Geek Parties. At 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle. Are you in yet? Uh, those guys are pretty awesome. I, I, the owner was a nice guy. Uh, they're really great. It's kind of like, a, it's a cool idea. Custom corporate events, but also role-playing, cosplay, or stuff like that. So if you're a nerd like I am, and you got a birthday coming up or something, you call them up, they'll come like host everything, bring a cake and the whole bit. So people should be checking them out for sure. So I want to talk a little bit about running backs. We're, we're going to get to some fantasy suggestions as well. If you're hunting the waiver wire already early in the season, we got, we got you covered there with some subjects, subject, <laughs> suggestions, goodness gracious as well. But first let's talk about these running backs all off season. Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce. And he comes out and he has 29% of the, he's, in 29% of the offensive snaps compared to 71 that Rex Burkhead played 50 total snaps. Again, counted for 71 of the percent of the offensive snaps. That's 50 snaps that Rex Burkhead was in on compared to Damon Pierce's 20. It, it absolutely you? did. Um, so there's a couple things going on here that, that kind of the, the boys chat, we were having this conversation as the game was going on. One of which was that they were playing um, the cornerback that we drafted, Stingley. They were playing him in all these zones when we drafted him to be a one-on-one -on -one man corner for the outside. So, like, already I was kind of like, why are we running so much zone if this guy's supposed to be able to just cover someone? Like, so already they were putting, they were using this guy in a way that they really shouldn't, and that was kind of bothering me a little bit. But with the with with the Pierce stuff, it was bothering me too because initially I thought we were using Burkhead a lot in the beginning in order to save Pierce. Like, I thought we were going to transition away from Burkhead to Pierce as the game goes on so that in the fourth quarter we can lean on Pierce when the defense is supposed to be tired and we're we're ready to go still because we've got the other running back, right? Like, I thought that's what we were doing. But it, it became obvious the longer the game went on that that wasn't what they were doing. And also it became very obvious when on crucial running plays in the third and fourth quarter, Pierce wasn't in the game. Um, so either Rex Burkhead is supposed to be the starter, and we were just misled this whole time, or they just don't believe in their rookies yet. And I don't understand what the I don't know what the issue is at that point. Like he either is out there or he's not. Like he's either a player or he's not. Like he made the fifty-three, so give him the ball. 
this could be a case of the pass blocking being bad enough that they want somebody who can, who they trust as a, a pass catcher more. Uh, and, and obviously if you have guys who are clearly pass catchers, you tip your hand <laughs> by having that yeah. in yeah. and then, Oh, it's going to be a pass. Cause this is our pat That's their pass catching back. And so maybe that was the strategy because they knew against this Colts front, the, a shaky offensive line was not going to run block very well. Uh, I, the other thing I was thinking was it could be a way of easing him in, you know, with all of the variables on offense and trying to give Mills the best shot, uh, easing him in to make sure that you have a sound guy who can, can block for your quarterback uh, or a, a guy who's not going to misread things when he's in that running back, maybe easing him in. Maybe that's the strategy. I, I don't know. It, it did. I'm trying to put out some excuses there, but it was weird. It, like, just give him some run. Like, I, let's see what you. I have. certainly think and he's. Again, I don't think you learn everything in that first week, but like, you might as well start building the dat, the data bank of, of, statistics and film on him to figure out what you have down the road. Well, I mean, and, like, and if, okay, let's well say he goes out there and he misses some blocks. How's it going to be any different than a lot of the other members of this team at this point? Like, also, like, I don't know, the idea that... So that even with Davis Mills, who's a, a second-year guy, they still, on some key third downs, have packages built for Jeff Driscoll. And I don't understand that either. I don't... I don't. They went in there with the with the other with the other quarterback running play. Well, it, and you know what also... It makes me think about uh, <laughs> the culture in that wildcat in the, in the, in the red zone where Jonathan Taylor was a decoy, the other running back takes a direct snap and, like, does a halfback delay, and Matt Ryan's on the, like, it, sometimes when these plays, sometimes I think teams outthink themselves, uh, and we know I'm not a Matt Ryan fan, but if you're trying to get a score, I think you put your best quarterback option as the guy who touches the ball, and then you go to your best running back option if it's a run, or you throw to your best receiver matchup if it's a pass. And these th- these things where we overthink it and where we get complicated, I think we're starting to see the foolery of what football can do to people. And I think I like I like Pep Hamilton, but I feel like having this Driscoll package where we take Davis Mills out and we put in Jeff Driscoll for a couple of plays, I, th- I think that's Pep Hamilton trying to be cute and show people he can be smart and creative. Um and maybe he can't do that with the quarterback because the quarterback can't throw to the flats and the sides yet or ever. Um, and so maybe he has to have the other package, but it does make you question the ability of these guys. And look, the young guys are going to make mistakes. So you got to put them out there and let you, them make you know, them. You know what I think this speaks to? And we talked about this going into the season. I think this speaks to the larger issue of this team doesn't really seem to have an identity yet. Like when the going got tough, the Colts right. really leaned on Jonathan Taylor. And I mean, he had 31 carries in this game and he had seven targets in the, the, the passing attack. I mean, they leaned on Jonathan Taylor and the Texans on the other hand, I mean, they had all sorts of different packages and stuff. They're trying They come out of the half. They're up and they come out of the half and run a flea flicker right away. Like, I think they might just be throwing stuff. And by the way, that flea flicker, kind of what the flea flicker was underthrown. And unfortunately, should have been a touchdown. Results in a field yep, goal, horribly underthrown. Um, 
But I mean, yeah, you're right. Like I don't I don't know that they've got that thing, that guy that they turn to in their moment of need, and they and they don't. They don't seem to at least. And if it is gonna be Pierce, you the only way you're gonna find that out is by going to him in your moment of need. And they didn't do that this game. There was no there wasn't a single must have play that I could think of that they gave it to Pierce. There were lots of plays that he's like you said, he's in thirty percent of the plays. But in none of these clutches, like in none of these clutch plays where you're like, man, we got to have, we need these two yards. They didn't go to Pierce for those. Uh, when they came out of the timeout, when they came out of the timeout, it was. No. If you were, uh, they called a timeout after burning a bunch of time to talk about it. And then they line up in this stupid run formation and it's Rex Burkhead back there and he gets stuffed behind the line. And it's like, do we really take a timeout? and lose all that time and talk about it. And this was the best play we came up with. Like, how did we do that? Um, so yeah, I, I think you got to at least give him chances to show you if he can do it or not. Yeah. And you also, I mean, you would like to, because in that, in that fourth quarter, again, when they're just kind of floundering, like, I don't mean to be uh, a pessimist, but you got to think with the talent on this team, there's probably going to be some other fourth quarters where they're floundering a little bit and they're looking, they're looking for something to lean on. I I don't think this is going to be the last time we see this in a fourth quarter. And so it would be nice sooner rather than later to know who are the guys you can go to because as good as Cooks is, I just don't – Cooks is not the level receiver where he just, like, fix it. He's not a he's not a Justin Jefferson or a Devontae Adams where going to him fixes all of your other problems. He's just not. He's a great receiver. He is. But he's not that well, and, level and, receiver. And so you've got to figure out, like, what stuff – and, I, again, I'm not saying Damian Pierce is a running back who's going to fix this, but do you, ha- do you have, like, a running scheme that can fix this? Or do you have, like – stuff that you've built in around mills where you know okay these are some plays that we can go to where we can for sure bank on him as opposed to a gamble whether he's going to be on the money or not on these few packages of passing plays they just don't have their they don't have their money plays it seems figured out yet which is i think why you try some weird I, stuff i swear <laughs> with Jeff Jeff Driscoll. Driscoll. twice in that game and both times like one of them it was right after i don't remember the exact lineup of the plays, but I remember clapping for Davis Mills and being like, that was a good play, good job. And then they they run him to the sidelines to run Jeff Driscoll out there immediately afterwards. And I was like, what are we doing? Like it's almost like reverse crate training a dog or something. Like it, you gotta leave him out there when he does good. Like I don't you can't you can't pull a guy after he does something good and then think he's gonna have any kind of rhythm. Like I don't, I didn't understand it. Uh but if if Jeff Driscoll is our secret weapon then for God's sakes, throw him out there in that fourth quarter of the timeout, like or the overtime. I mean, like it was a. We, it's we seem to have nothing to go to in those moments, and it just it it reeked of desperate bad football. I will say I don't think that this is going to be the snap disparity that we see the rest of the season between these two. I was curious if you had to put a week to it. What week do you think you see Damian Pierce? Uh, it'll be the week that the, the Rex Burkhead gets hurt. 
Because what I didn't hear Lovey Smith say this week in any of the press conference questions or whatever, because he was asked about the, the carries, and I didn't hear his answer, but, but what his answer obviously wasn't, because people would have been talking about it, is, oh, Damian Pierce is our starter. We just didn't get that communicated correctly. Yeah, so until Rex Burkett gets hurt, uh, I guess Damian Pierce is our two. You know what I mean? Uh, now, don't worry. Rex Burkett's going to get hurt. He's, he's not going to play 17 games. You know, week week. I'll go week six. Week six, Rex Burke said he's going to come out with some kind of hamstring, thigh, knee thing, ankle. He's going to miss four or five weeks. And if Damian Pierce is the guy, he'll never give the job back. There's a lot of fantasy owners that are hoping that it's oh, a I'm, I can I can promise in my you fantasy that. draft that I did, <laughs> I uh, that. Brandon Cooks and Damian Pierce went back to back in the fifth round. Um, no way, that, no way, anyone's happy about what they saw Jeez. out of the Colts game for those two. That's that's early. That's early. But I'm glad that we brought up fantasy because we are going to talk about. Texans that maybe you can scoop off the waiver wire if you need them. First, we're going to hear from... All right, guys, let me tell you all about The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. Stadium. It is the second story uh, add-on that they have. It's the sports memorabilia and cards section of the store. The Adventure Begins Stadium. It is right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130. It's on the second floor of the Marcel Town Center. It is big. It is family-friendly. It's well-lit. It's awesome. They got tons of great sports memorabilia, and you should go check them out. The Adventure Begins is awesome. They they do all kinds of stuff, all the nerd stuff, Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer, all the different things, comic books, all that. But also sports, right there. The Adventure Begins Stadium. So if you're anything like me, you're hunting that waiver wire for uh, a Week couple two? of Already villains called? on your fantasy team. I in. My league, I, Ooh, I, I okay. have Keenan Allen, man. And so I'm going to need – I need a I, – I was looking. I, I might – I put out a bid for uh, Curtis Samuel. I don't think nice. Keenan Allen's going to play in that Thursday night game. Uh, maybe you're not happy with a draft pick. Maybe you do have an injury. Maybe you have Keenan Allen and you're looking for a replacement, don't really want to play a running back at flex. Whatever it may be, if you're hunting that waiver wire already, I'm wondering, Corey – Nico, are there any Texans players that you would recommend to friends for this coming week that are available on the waiver wire? So guys like Damian Pierce, Brandon Cooks, obviously not going to recommend them. Like you mentioned, they're probably on leagues. They're probably taken in your draft. But are there any other guys on this Texans team that you would recommend to a friend? Uh, hey, you know what? They're probably available. So in that's a, it's a good question. I like the way them. you did this. I like that. Uh, to a friend, no. Absolutely not. Um, if if I like them, I don't want them to play Texans <laughs> because if, if this season is going to be a bunch of close, tough, fought games, uh, no, don't do it. Um, but if you – like, so in my league, I, I have Elijah Mitchell as my fourth – you get two running backs, two wideouts, and two flex. My fourth flex is Elijah Mitchell. I'm going to be looking for a guy tomorrow. Um Somebody like Rex Burkhead is going to get a bunch of carries. We know that now. It's a reception league. It's a PPR league. So they're going to throw at him a bunch. If he can catch it, depends on if Davis Mills can deliver it. But you know for sure now he's going to be out there 70% of the time, 60% of the time. So you at least feel safe 
that he could accidentally get you 10 or 12 points uh, just between the catches and the yards. Uh, now, if he were to ever score, that'd be amazing. Um, I, I want to say Rex Burkhead, though, hasn't scored like a receiving touchdown in, in like two seasons. Uh, I might be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that. But he hasn't. he's not the guy he used to be. Let's, that's, let's say that nicely. Um, I would say if, if, if you're in a league with no Texans diehards, OJ Howard is probably on the waiver wire. That's, that's an easy grab because they've thrown him 10 more times. He gets 10 more touchdowns, uh, because he caught all of his targets four touchdowns. So the streak is, the streak is in good hands there. That, you know what? You read my mind. That's where I was going with this is the tight ends. Uh, this is half helpful because I have no idea which I, I'm pretty sure in most leagues, uh, the you're probably going to have most of these tight ends available. And guess what? Unless you have Kyle Pitts or Travis Kelsey or Andrews, you're probably streaming your tight ends anyways, outside of like that top shelf group. That's pretty accurate. Most people are probably streaming their tight ends. And so you're probably cycling through tight ends anyways. And so you've probably mulled over the idea of taking a, a Houston's tight end as is. I'm not sure which one to recommend uh, because I never thought that OJ Howard would look like this. Although, to be fair, his two touchdowns came on his only two targets. Uh, so, and it, like I mentioned before, there wasn't a ton of targets for tight ends in general in this game anyway. So it's kind of hard to parse out who's going to go off but I do like this group because against their so mm -hmm. they're playing mm -hmm. the Broncos right against against the Seahawks the Broncos allowed eight catches to tight ends of the 23 completions Geno Smith had eight of them went to tight ends and those eight catches went for 102 yards so you're saying OJ Howard is going to get three Seahawks more touchdowns had. this game so I'm saying the middle of the field seemingly will be open if we're using the other night's game as any sort of sort of measuring stick for how this could go. And again, I'm not predicting oodles of points, but it just based on what we saw and again, one game sample size, but based on what we saw in the one game that the Broncos have played and knowing that that's the Texans next opponent it seems like there's going to be some catches there for the tight ends. Now, if Mills can get to him, that's another question. But the middle of the field seemed to be open. And when you're looking at some of the outside the corners that the uh, – that the corners and really the entire secondary for the Broncos, I don't know if I want to pick up a guy, take a flyer on like Nico Collins or Chris Moore. I'm not sure how successful that will be. It just seems like – the soft part of that defense is in the middle of the field. And again, this is not super helpful because I'm not exactly sure which tight end I would recommend. I would lean Brevin Jordan just because I still like the upside for the the young Miami Hurricane. Uh, again, Farrell well, Yeah, the touchdown machine was out there, O.J. Howard. I mean, he was. what else are you going to do? You're going to – two targets, two touchdowns. And, it, and I tell you what, I've – I've had O.J. Howard on my fantasy teams in the past plenty of times, hoping for him to catch lightning. <laughs> and it's really like, 
every what six games or something so going back to that well seems a little daunting too but i do think that of this group one of these guys is going to have a good game again i realize that's not super helpful but i feel like if you're needing a texan if you're needing to stream a tight end desperately going in the direction of this group is probably your best bet if you're yeah it's got to be it's it's just it's got to be tight ends uh or rex burkhead um or or hey uh you know if you've got some sort of weird flex option you can play it doesn't count positions jeff driscoll is going to get you two key third downs so i don't know how many points that is in everyone else's league he would have gotten no points in my league but that's just a different league Nico, you got any you got any suggestions for the no, people? No, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Uh, there's no one by name that I'd be like, oh yeah, this is the guy. This yeah, if Dak, if Dak Prescott was your quarterback, you might want to look at Davis Mills because <laughs> I bet no one else is available at this point. Right. I mean, I mean, listen, Ooh, if I your tasty quarterbacks are so know. bad that your starter think for would... week one of the NFL season was Dak Prescott, that means your backup. Is got to be like a, I don't know what Kirk Cousins or something. I mean, you gotta. I would think that you would feel pretty confident that you could go to a Davis Mills and get a solid nine points or something out of him. <laughs> if I'm starting Davis Mills in my you, fantasy, well, whoever team, started Dak Prescott, I mean, is already saying the same thing. And there's one guy in every league who does it. I don't. I don't want any emails from anybody. Ooh, no one starts to. We all know there's one guy in every league who's like, 19 and 0, they're winning the Super Bowl this year. You know, there's a guy in your league who has Dak Prescott as a starter. Was trying to draft Zeke, but he couldn't get back-to-back top picks after he took Dak. Um, and now it's just from a. F- from a real life football perspective, this is the proper take. From a fantasy football perspective, they the co- did score. The Cowboys they were the number one scoring offense last year. Um, like, they were, but Cowboys it, is not a bad. Yeah. Um, getting Cowboys is not the. Worst I mean, call thing me in fantasy. nine weeks when that whoever it is that took them is zero oh and whatever. Uh, but I I know what you're saying. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're well, yeah, saying. Obviously, it's bad now that he's injured. But listen, last year them being number one in scoring was fluky at best, and that's me being polite. Uh, it was fluky. They they are not. I mean, if they were any kind of good, first of all, Mike McCarthy wouldn't be their coach if they were any good. And secondly, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, the reason he does that feed me motion is just because he's hungry all the time because he's a little chubby Ewok. And I don't have any respect for the man as a player. This is just you trying to avoid the fact that you would take. Uh, listen, Matt. If Matt if Matt Ryan's available Matt in your Ryan's league and you take him over Davis Mills, you deserve exactly whatever it is you get. I, I have. I don't. I don't think. I don't know if Davis Mills. I don't know if Davis Mills is going to survive the season. But I will tell oh you this: gosh. Matt Ryan is a train wreck, and anyone who attaches their car to him deserves exactly what they get.
The one year I yeah, took him, he completely I mean, demolished I'm me. I'm just saying, he tied the Texans. <laughs> That's fair. With uh, with the league's best running back and like the top three defense, life, Matt Ryan I... couldn't muster up enough energy to beat the Texans. <laughs> Again, fantasy football, not real life. All right, what do you got? Final Go. thoughts. Final thoughts. I have something important here. I have, I have an email. So if people are wanting to pitch us questions, oh, yeah. it would be fun do to it. maybe do like a yes, mailbag some Wednesdays or something like that, middle of the week, lull, something like that. So I have an email. Everybody, I will put this in the podcast description as well, so you don't have to write that down, but it's moleskycolton at gmail.com. Again, that's going to be – don't worry about writing it down. It's going to be in the podcast description. But if you have questions, if you have thoughts – uh, maybe yeah, I think so. and again, we are what three weeks into this podcast. If you have Ooh. questions about us that you're curious about, go ahead and shoot them over and we might answer them. But if you have football questions, if you have Texans questions, if you have Texans thoughts, go ahead and shoot them over and maybe we can turn Wednesday and, into a little bit of a, a mailbag. And if, as you, well. if you do send questions to that, to that email, email, let us know what's uh, up. If they're any good at all, we will absolutely answer them. So go ahead and shoot. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the best. Now, no Matt Ryan questions. That's true. The questions. That's true. And, and no Matt you know, Ryan I like questions. the answers, though. Uh, Just a heads up. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah, dear God. I didn't know we were going to be it, It's not even a vendetta. I just vendetta I didn't know people still thought he was Matt good. Ryan. I, I was know. very confused this offseason when Atlanta was like, we're trying to handle this respectfully, and we, we just want to part ways. I was like, of course you want to part ways. He's been terrible. And then the Colts were like, we're ready to take the next step, and we got Matt Ryan, and I was like, I'm sorry, same Matt Ryan from Atlanta? Is there, is there a kicker named Matt Ryan I don't know about? Like, what do we – so I was just very surprised. And then to have you, you know, sing his praises, I didn't know – I didn't know people thought that he was still good. I didn't know that. He is a, wow. a passable quarterback for sure. Oh Tell yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Ryan they didn't, Marcus but they purposely. They, but they did that on purpose so that they could. Who is get who a, is starting? Just for the record, pick. I mean, they want to they want a high draft pick, so they went and got a. They purposely went and got a bad quarterback. I mean, I would rather have. Yeah, Matt Ryan I know. Uh, Don't talk smack about the true biscuit. I would rather have Matt Ryan than than Danny Dimes. There's like ten quarterbacks. Okay, I would so. Rather... The, I, I think the difference to you and me is that you put him in like in this league. Uh, no, okay, sure. he's in the bottom of the second tier of quarterbacks. So thirty-two teams in the league, you know, it goes 10, 12, and ten. The bottom ten, I think he's, I think he's the eleventh or twelfth in that middle group. So yeah, I think there's, I think there's easily ten quarterbacks he's better than. I just, I don't value being a quarterback at the bottom of that second group either. I, those are guys that teams get stuck with, like a Ryan Tannehill situation. I think he's low uh, second group, somewhere between 7 and 12. And Tennessee doesn't want to let him go because he's better than half the league. But what that does mean is now that they've drafted this other guy, they're going to make him fight it out for two years and get weird, like Jimmy G kind of a thing. Um, 
you know, I'd, I'd, Well, if you're looking at quarterbacks that are good, yeah, some and that puts you in that top are group. good and elevate talent around them. Some quarterbacks are good as when you pair them, and, and they need talent to be paired with them. And Matt Ryan is in that latter category of Matt Ryan is good, but you need to pair talent with him. He's not going to elevate mediocre talent around him. He's a cheese and wine quarterback. He needs something to pair with him. <laughs> Exactly. And the problem is that the Colts have made this bet on three other quarterbacks before Matt Ryan because they're so they have such a good roster. Luck walks away because they had a horrible front office who just ignored all of their holes for so many years that they let him get brutalized. And then once they actually did start drafting competently, then they made a bet on Brissett, didn't work out. Then they made a bet on Philip Rivers didn't work out. He was past his prime. Then they made a bet on Wentz. Turns out he's terrible. And now they're making, they're just desperate to find a quarterback that they can just pair with a very talented roster. And so it looks bad because this is the fourth bite of this apple that they've taken. But really, if you have a really great roster and you don't have one of the five to 10 quarterbacks that can elevate a roster, then this is kind of the game you have to play. Well, this is the, this is the Denver playbook, right? Like, Okay, we built our defense. Oh, we have a really good running game. We just got to find a guy who can throw the ball, right? Like, I mean, when Peyton Manning won that last Super Bowl with Denver, he was probably somewhere between 15 and 25 as a quarterback, especially as that season progressed. Um, That's true, but Denver's doing it with a different different scale of quarterback, though, because the season that they actually won, yes, Peyton Manning was pretty tough. But the first couple of seasons of that, Peyton Manning was really, really good. Yeah, he was. He was. They just they just couldn't – they didn't get there those years. The year they won it was one of his worst years quarterbacking. Um, but, you know, Seattle had just humiliated them the year before uh, in that in that Super Bowl. So, like, you really kind of fell for him a little bit. Like, you were happy. I was happy he got it. I, I don't – I struggle with my Peyton Manning feelings because uh, as a Texans fan, he is – the scariest person on the planet to me. Uh, but then he's just so darn likable, you know, that you root for him. Uh, and, and the Colts, listen, I think Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the league. And I think their defense is, I, I was exaggerating. I was at top three. There's probably between five and 10. Their defense is probably somewhere between five and 10. So, which is great. Um, my problem is, I don't like their receiving core, and I don't think Matt Ryan makes their receivers better. Therefore, uh, it's going to be kind of like those Tennessee Titan years when Chris Johnson would run for 3,000 yards and the defense was top five in the league. Therefore, they could go two or three rounds in the playoffs. I I don't know. I think Pittman might be the real deal. I know that doesn't one guy doesn't make up an entire receiving core, but... It would help. I, it would help he, for sure. He's he's really good. I think he could be kind of one of those guys that makes other receivers around him better just because of the attention that he draws. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways, there's a weird quarterback conversation to, to finish out the pod for you guys. <laughs> Matt Ryan, not as bad as you think, not as good as you want. There you go. There, there it is. That should be on a T-shirt for Matt Ryan. That's called bonus content. <laughs> I love it. All right. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We've got 
content coming at you the rest of the week. Make sure you subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast. And as always, we're going to finish out the week with a look at the Denver Broncos, the next opponent on the slate. We're going to take a, a deep dive look, make some picks as well. Hey, might just hand out another winner too this for for the weekend. So that's all coming up. Thank you so much for listening to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm Colton Molesky. He's Corey DLG. Producer Nico, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs>